The beat hey. fell out. Wait. <laughs> uh, that's got to hit harder than that. <laughs> we got a long marathon show coming up. I just wanted to get dialed in. Oof. Anyway, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com marathon matchup show right here on the awesome YouTube channel. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D on the Twitters and joining me along for the ride as he does every single Thursday. Matt Savoka at Draftaholic. You ready, baby? You got the coffee, you got the water, you got the meth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as hard or as easy as you need to go this Thursday, week 11. We are in the thick of things, almost to Thanksgiving. We're getting into those wild divisional matchups where they're seeing each other a second time. And, you know, it's getting harder to predict, but also some really, really exciting high totals, particularly in that afternoon slate. Really stoked to get into it. Me too, man. And uh, nice to see you guys. <laughs> some of these are great. There's nothing better than jumping into this and seeing the way in which everyone is prepared for this show prior to its uh, commencement, Matt. You've got um, Amit, our, our guy, Amit Tulsa, <laughs> I said, I got a case of MREs, half gallon of Henny, and an ounce of Purple Kush. Let's survive this bitch, fellas. <laughs> There's always some Henny. good ones. Yeah. What did you guys do to get ready for the marathon matchup show to survive it? But Matt, the best part is, after it's done, you're locked, you're dialed in, you're ready to go, right? Like, you know what you need to know for Sunday. You can have a brief respite before checking out the uh, the four-hour live stream that leads up to lock on Sunday. I think that's the best combination if you've only got time for one thing during the week and one thing on the weekend. You get caught up on what the games are on this Thursday show, and then boom, that live before lock as you're building lineups on Sunday. You get caught up on all the latest news Really, really excited about this, too, because then, you know, you can get an overview, but you can also compare because sometimes as the week goes on, the ownership projections change, the players that are in or out change, and suddenly these things are really different than what we talked about on Thursday. And sometimes you can just go back to a baseline. Well, hey, nothing has really changed here. Why did we get away from him? Well, we're just talking about new people, uh, and that's where you can just fall back on this show, hopefully. Well, we're happy to have you guys with us. The most dedicated of the dedicated here. Those who, you know, want to put themselves in a good position heading into Sunday. So hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Much appreciated to all of you who do that the moment you jump in. But you know how it works. Got to combat the YouTube overlords. Matt, that's what we got to do here. Get a little piece of that pie. We don't need the whole thing. Just a small piece and fighting the algorithm and making sure that, you know. We can keep the lights on here. No, but really, I mean, it's always going to be free content no matter what. And uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us every day, especially on this one. So let's dive into it, Matt. We got 12 games to touch on. And of course, shout out to Jordan Klein for, for doing this. Do you, you just produce the NBA strategy show too, Jordan? All right. So you're, you're pulling a bit of a shift here today. We'll see what we can do. And Matt, as we have recently done, we are... Oh, 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 I know what I wanted to mention. I'm sorry. You took your hat off on a stream? I did. I took my hat off for, for a thousand likes on a did live get before locks. Like, yeah, I got there. Like, no, did we get seconds. to a thousand likes? Yeah. yeah? On, okay. the, on that okay. stream? Oh, yeah. Okay. We better have. Yeah, that was the Adam Share haircut stream prior to that. <laughs> it was it was Hairgate. Hairgate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I just, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen you without a hat on. I, Jordan sent me a picture. So 
Oh, good, good. Glad it's as, glad it's floating around. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we love to see. As we uh, as we do, we'll talk about the one p.m.s, then the four p.m.s, and we'll start with the highest scoring games. That was an idea that Matt helped us implement not long ago. So let's kick it off here, Matt, with the first one. We've got Indy at Buffalo. A lot of low total games on the one p.m. slate, by the way. Just keep that in mind. A lot of low total games doesn't mean there aren't some good plays, but a lot of low total games. Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. Dude, the only team the Colts were able to not give up massive passing yard production and touchdowns to was Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville. I have a sneaky suspicion this one will be a little bit different. Buffalo does have a good defense, though, and I'll be honest. Like, I would rather go to Pittman in a game like this than the one last week because they'll have to throw, but I'm not really high on this Colts offense. And Jonathan Taylor is amongst a lot of really good running backs, even in the mid-range this week, that I think I might have a tough time getting there as well. Am I making the wrong decision here? No, I think with the Indianapolis offense, the argument you can make for them in tournaments is that they're playing the Buffalo offense, which finally got out of its slump, or just played the Jets. We really don't know what the difference is at this point because the Jets tend to just break people out of these slumps as it is in the metric defensive metric that I'm always referencing schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed the Jets are by far the worst defense in the NFL and in a snap after that down game against Jacksonville Buffalo comes right back out and looks like their old selves for a minute so on the other side of the ball you could play players thinking that there's a possibility that they keep this game as a shootout but the Buffalo defense in that same schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed metric is the best in the NFL. So it's definitely uphill climb uh, for Carson Wentz, for Jonathan Taylor, for that number one option, Michael Pittman. It might be a week where you could look at Naheem Hines. He's running back 58 on DraftKings, 4,300. And we have him projected inside the top 45. That's not super exciting. But in a game like this, you could see him getting there. Taylor is, he's not unplayable. But at 8,300 on DraftKings, running back three in salary, his projection doesn't look as good there. He has to be hyper-efficient against this great uh, this great Buffalo defense. Not impossible. And the expected fantasy points do look pretty good here. Over the last six games, 18.3 expected fantasy points per game. That's enough at his salary. It's just not really good. Tea Time says Matt literally emanates positive energy. It's a nice compliment. Hey, man, I appreciate that. I've never I've, gotten I've... that compliment. <laughs> Didn't we it's say you good. were eloquent, eloquent one time, though? That's pretty good. I can't remember. I don't know. But that is, that's, a, that's a nice thing to say. It's true. It's true. You're a likable guy. You are. You're a likable person, man. I'll tell I'm also you, though, happy to be here. <laughs> on the other side, with Buffalo, I, I really like this this week. And, I mean, I, the, the thing that's nice about the Colts, is I think they can still keep this game competitive. Who knows? Maybe they, I'm not even saying they lose this game, to be honest. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. They are seven point dogs, but they can compete against good teams. And Buffalo's a good team. But when it comes to guys like Josh Allen and Diggs coming off that game, that explosive performance that we've been waiting for for so long now, and Indianapolis, as we talked about, man, you want to, you want to talk about a team that is a massive pass funnel defense against an offense that prefers not to run the football. This is one of those spots that I feel real good about getting to. Now, of course, Matt, you're talking about some expensive players and that, you know, we have to keep that in mind here, but at the same time, 
there is a lot to like on a team. They don't, they don't want to run the football if they don't have to. And, and Indy's saying, you don't have to run the football against us. Buffalo has one of the lowest uh, game script adjusted uh, run r- rushing rates in the league at 37%. So I, I like Buffalo, even though they're expensive. Yeah, you got to like Buffalo this week. And yeah, it's almost a riddle what's going on in their PFF defensive grade. They're in the top 10 in the NFL. The Colts are in overall defensive grade. That's tougher for opposing offenses, but in coverage grade for their team, specifically coverage, they're in the bottom 10. That's a that's a riddle, which means they're probably excellent against the run. Buffalo doesn't care about that, though, especially when they're getting multiple running backs involved. Matt Burita involved last week. Isaiah McKenzie scoring in recent weeks. So you're really just looking at the passing attack unless it's a super large field tournament. Josh Allen is deserving of the number one quarterback salary this week. We have him number one in projections, too. And Stephon Diggs is right in line with salary-based expectations, which is just pretty solid considering he's 7,900 on DraftKings. Those are obvious spots to go this week. I'm definitely going to have uh, shares of Diggs. I'm going to be getting to Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox in tournaments, too. I think it's hard to tell which one of them is going to go off all the time, but against this secondary which looks like the weak spot of this Indianapolis defense. I'm going to be taking shots for sure. Um, Diggs, obviously the favorite here, but this, this offense just looks like it's in a great spot as touchdown favorites. I love it. And uh, Jordan, did you go from Jordan Klein to Jordan K to Jordan on YouTube? Are you really trying to hide your identity? Soon it's just going to be Jay. <laughs> the Jordan. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Do like Tyler does, <laughs> producer Tyler. Doesn't he do the producer Ty or something? Yeah, I don't know. Marcus, let's see the hair, Lofty. I got a hat. Dude, I got a strong hairline. I, come on now. I, I rock no hats once in a while after I get a fresh cut. Come in hot with the skin fade. Anything else you like for Buffalo, Matt? I mean, I think it's just worth mentioning that Dawson Knox came back, wasn't heavily utilized last week, but we've seen him utilized in the red zone before. Um, you know, this is using a last six week sample, so it doesn't include a lot of Dawson Knox, but he's down around five and a half expected fantasy points per game, which doesn't look that good until you see that the Buffalo offense is kind of propping him up 4.2 fantasy points over expected per game is third amongst tight ends. So there's some upside there, although he's definitely fourth option for me of that big four passing attack. So next up, you've got Green Bay and Minnesota. 49 and a half point total. The Packers laying one and a half points on the road. What a disastrous game that was last week between the Packers and the Seahawks. I mean, when do you see Rodgers get picked in his own end zone in Green Bay? That's at Lambeau Field. I mean, that's that's crazy enough. Russell Wilson was clearly still not himself. He he seemed hindered by that 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 hand. That finger, I don't know, but this game has near 50-point total. You're looking at a couple of spots here to me that really stand out, and I was shopping odds over at Odds Shopper, which is the easiest thing in the world to do, Matt, and I came across one, but I'm actually going to save that for when we touch on prize picks because I think you absolutely need to hammer it there. I like A.J. Dillon a lot. Don't really care about his ownership as it stands right now, I'll just say this much. It's very simple for me. 
the guy had 23 looks and played 49% of snaps last game because Aaron Jones played 50% of snaps. With Aaron Jones expected to be sidelined a week or two with that MCL strain, there's no doubt right now that you have to see A.J. Dillon as a guy that could easily, easily eclipse 20 total looks in a spot like this. And when you look at the running backs, they got nobody else. Kylan Hill's not even there. Your, your other option right now is like Patrick Taylor, or I don't even know if Raquel Armstead is on the, the team. He's on the practice squad, I think. Dylan's going to get a shit ton of work, and he's very, very affordable at 6K. He should be 7K plus in a spot like this against a bad run defense. Yeah, and that last sentence might be the most important part there. He just should be higher in salary. He doesn't look like the absolute must-play free square the, that kind of opened up last week for us in Mark Ingram or Dernis Johnson, but still at 6,200 on DraftKings, cash games, not even a question. You just play him. It's obvious there. He's going to get the touches. In tournaments, I think it's a different story here. We're probably going to see the ownership continue to creep up. He's already number one amongst running backs in projected ownership last time I checked those projections. And I think it's going to be even higher in things like single entry or three entry tournaments because it's just such an easy, obvious play in this high total spot. You also talked about the fact that what in the world happens if he gets nicked up in this game? Not necessarily like knocked out, but if he gets nicked up, I, right now, Patrick Taylor is the guy for us in our projections. I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot about Patrick Taylor. I would have to be doing a little bit of research there. But if you want to talk about a player at 4K who at a super large field tournament could be walking into a full workload with, you know, one unfortunate play, you know, Taylor doesn't look so bad. Other than that, you're not looking anywhere except for this passing attack uh, and Dylan here because – I think Rodgers does have a ceiling game here, uh, in him here, I should say, but I don't think the median projection is going to bear that out. Right now, his QB7 salary does not look worth it. Um, as you said, last week was like a that Seahawks-Packers game, losing so much money on that one because I bet on it being a shootout. It was like a bury-the-tape game. Uh, I just feel like you know that there's going to be better days out there for Aaron Rodgers, but I'm almost pretty sure I want to wait to see that happen right now. Obviously, I'll play some Devontae Adams. That's that's entirely different story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think AJ Dillon's clearly the best spot on Green Bay, and it's it's not particularly close. And I have no problem whatsoever seeing that he's going to be relatively high owned because I think he should be higher owned. I think he should be more expensive given the matchup. And that's really how that's really all I'm worried about. I also think he'll be involved in the passing game. So uh, give me that as well. There's a couple of these guys today. We'll talk about one of them in the in the afternoon slate. But yeah, AJ Dillon projected for 19.4%. I think as the week goes on, he will be higher on than that, and our projections will adjust. But if he even comes around 20, I think he should be 30. I think he should be 30 plus percent, honestly, yeah. in a slate like this. What do you do for Minnesota, where you've got Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Tyler Conklin is somebody that people want to talk about. He's coming off a two touchdown performance last time out. And then, of course, Dalvin Cook, who I think it's fair to say, Matt, Dalvin Cook has oddly let us down this season. You know, a couple injuries. He hasn't been bad per se, but we haven't seen those monster Dalvin Cook performances yet that we became so accustomed to seeing in years past. I would agree with that. And I think it was sharp football analysis, Rich Rebar, who pointed out that Cook has been tackled at the one yard line which then followed up in someone else other than Cook scoring 
five times this season. Yeah. Imagine if he just gets there half the time or three. Got to get time. in though, man. Got to get I, in. I, hey, this is what we talked about with Jonathan Taylor earlier in the season, and sure enough regression does what regression tends to do and, and everyone was giving way. up on taylor which was laughable right right we knew that was that was a ridiculous call but he was completely underperforming from the goal sure. line which you know from a do your job standpoint was you know to your point annoying Dalvin yeah. cook needs to get there but he still has plenty of touches he's fourth on the slate in expected fantasy points with 20.3 per game uh that's since week five so it doesn't include it it includes just the games that he played in there. You can play him at his running back four salary on DraftKings, 8,200. His salary is kind of right there. He's kind of RB8-ish in uh, when you run the simulations and look at the optimal lineups. So I do think he's viable as a runback option with these popular Green Bay Packers. But also I think in tournaments, you could go to these passing, these passing game weapons. Our projections don't love either of them even though the green bay packers defense has been kind of middle of the road and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed i just think the game stack gets difficult um i i just want to make sure that people know that you can definitely play them uh jefferson right in line with salary based expectations in expected fantasy points uh like wide receiver eight feeling feeling's tough basically you know how he gets there with touchdowns and efficiency he doesn't usually command a huge target share Shit, man. Dalvin Cook is third in red zone carries, second in goal line carries. He's 23rd in red zone touchdowns and 26th in goal line carries. You gotta see some regression there. You just absolutely have to. And a perfect example, a guy that I talked about a ton during the offseason or leading up to you know season-long fantasy drafts was Ezekiel Elliott. And obviously his line has been bolstered after the injuries last year, but if you look at Ezekiel Elliott's goal line efficiency last year, it was truly dismal. I mean, dismal. But now guess who's second in the league in goal line touchdowns with a 50% conversion rate on those at the goal line. Things change. Good running backs find ways to find the end zone, but you're right. Yeah, Dalvin Cook's got to get in. Like we're playing him and he goes down at the one three times in a game. You and I aren't going to be talking about regression on Sunday afternoon, right? <laughs> we're going to, we're going to be talking about it next Thursday, but we, we want that. And I think uh, you definitely have an opportunity to get that there. He's still the clear goal line back. Like I said, second in the league in goal line carries and he missed some time. So yeah, it's a good point, Matt. Anybody else here? Or do we want to uh, move this one forward? You mentioned Conklin. He actually graded out surprisingly well in expected fantasy points. I thought with just those touchdowns, he was going to look really bad. But his 10.1 makes him playable uh, at his tight end 16 salary, 3,900. I prefer him in a game stack with other with other Packers or Vikings. But you're probably going to have other Packers and Vikings because of the popularity of Dylan and Adams. Hey, quickly, Anthony Marcus said this Packers defense is scary all of a sudden. I do want to point out, too, that, you know, it's only a couple of weeks, but the Packers defense definitely has seemed to have found their footing a little bit, Matt. Uh, I think some of it, the past couple weeks, can be blamed on, you know, Patrick Mahomes was not himself for a stretch of games there, uh, but still only 13 points in a game where the, the, the Chiefs had the ball quite a bit because you had no Aaron Rodgers. Seattle, yes, Russell Wilson returning with that bang, with that messed up finger. Okay, understandable. But they still have, even, even only allowing 21 points to Arizona, 
Granted, A.J. Green was staring at UFOs in the end zone on what could have been a game-winning drive. Uh, but no, they, they have done a very good job recently of limiting opposing offenses, even if they haven't faced straight juggernauts or teams that are playing at their best. It is worth mentioning. I think so. In schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, they have gotten right up to that top 10 line. But I've are they really that, top 10 now? I'm here. Let me check their wow. exact ranking on the slate. Three, four, five. They're six best on the slate specifically. Um, oh. But but I will say this. They are only about eight points better, eight fantasy points better than league average. So it's not something where I'm looking at that ranking and saying, I got to change everything I know about Minnesota. It is impressive, but it's not like Buffalo impressive, which is significantly different than the league average. That's a great point. Yeah. Plus still a 49 and a half point total with, with some, some thin margins on that spread as well. So I'm with, but it is, yes, I, I do believe they are playing markedly better than they were earlier in the season where they were a sieve in the secondary. The next game, this is where the, to- I mean, the total drops down to 45 and a half here, Matt, with Baltimore and Chicago, the Baltimore Ravens laying five and a half points against the bears in Chicago at soldier field. This could be a kind of ugly game. Baltimore's on extended rest though, which they needed coming off that putrid performance against the Miami dolphins on Thursday night football. Lamar Jackson though, is at a price point where he is basically neck and neck with Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. He's $400 on DraftKings, at least more expensive than Patrick Mahomes, $800 more expensive than Dak Prescott. What do you think that does for his ownership and his popular or, uh, and, and his appeal to you this week? Uh, well, I think it does one thing to his ownership and another thing to his appeal. Honestly, okay. I think it's going to help tamper down the ownership because people are, especially on DraftKings, going to be trying to use that salary for the flex positions. But for me, it's going to make it all the more exciting to play him. Give me all the Lamar Jackson here. Chicago has a reputation of being a strong defense, and we have seen moments for them this season. But still, in PFF's overall team defensive grade, I believe they're the third worst team in the NFL. In schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to just quarterbacks, they're eighth worst in the NFL. So Lamar Jackson just looks fantastic to me. Uh, I think the Bears, almost as we said with the Packers, the Bears are really closer to league average in in their defense, uh, both against the run and the pass. And I think there's just a huge chance that we see a get-right game for Lamar Jackson here. I mean, hats off to the Miami defense. They seem to have a ton of answers, especially it's like speed at the linebacker position, yeah. really frustrating Jackson. But still, you know what the ceiling is for him here. He, right now, according to our current ownership, looks like a positive leverage play, meaning his chance of being in the optimal lineup is better than his current ownership projections. And he's number one in expected fantasy points. It's It's... A great spot. They're starting to, to look pretty decent as far as pass catchers go. You would have thought last week, right? You get Watkins, not to say that Watkins is is some stud, but you get Watkins back. It's the first game where you've got Malcolm uh Marquise Brown. You have Rashad Bateman, you know, really getting acclimated now. And for what it's worth, Marquise Brown did not practice on uh yesterday. So pay attention to that dealing with a thigh injury. If he were to sit, that definitely opens up some opportunities for Andrews Bateman a lot. You think about this, Matt, he is getting, and you and I, I think, have discussed this often this year, and it surprised me. I, I won't speak for you, but 
the fact that he's getting alpha type volume is something that I didn't see coming, especially after Bateman came back. So check this out. Bateman's been back for three games. In those games, Marquise Brown's target volume is 14, 12, and 13. They got blown out in two of them. Fine. It doesn't matter. He is still getting a lot, a lot of targets. If that's out of the lineup or out of the lineup, you void probably, you know, I would say average it out to like even eight if you want to be conservative targets for Marquise Brown. That opens something up for a guy like Bateman. Yeah, I, I completely agree here. And, you know, in our advanced stats tool, we're showing that the Baltimore Ravens are still uh, 20, no, 30th in the league in schedule adjusted rush rate. They still rush a lot, excuse me, uh, game adjusted rush rate. They still rush a lot depending on the game script here. But when they do pass, they're passing to their primary weapons more than ever here. And in, in expected fantasy points, 19.1 expected DraftKings points for Marquise Brown. That's third among all wide receivers. So when you're talking about wide receiver nine in salary, I know the projection looks so-so against the Bears secondary, which has been pretty good. But I think you can definitely go there in tournaments. And then when you're a rookie receiver and you're getting six targets a game as a floor right off the bat, you're probably pretty good. You're probably separating and you're probably going to carve out a role for yourself in the NFL for a while. That's Rashad Bateman for you. So I think you can play him at wide receiver 54, 4,500 on DraftKings in salary. 12.3 uh, expected fantasy points for him is not too shabby, but still Mark Andrews, I think he looks, I, I'm a little more bullish on this offense I'm seeing in my projections than I am in Osimo's projections. So that's something to look for as we get closer to Sunday, but I still think you could play him at 6K. Um, I know the Chicago defense has been a little bit better here, but Andrews is still commanding the largest share of red zone targets. Um, his expected fantasy points look best among tight ends on the main slate. I don't really see anything to dislike. The Chicago defense isn't so dominant that I have to move away from this passing attack. I get it. And I want to correct myself on something. Bateman actually debuted on in week six. Uh, against the Chargers. You're, I know you remember <clears throat> that game. They just annihilated them. They've been involved in a lot of lopsided games on either side lately, but uh, target shares since Bateman's debut, Marquise Brown, 29%, 40% of team air yards. Andrews, 21%, 23% of team air yards. Bateman's up there at 19%, close to 20, 21% of the air yards. I, I understand you could say, yeah, but what about Sammy Watkins? Yeah, what about Sammy Watkins would be my response, Matt. I, I Honestly, at this rate, I don't even know how much of a factor he's going to be. Uh, on one decent reception he made, he promptly fumbled it last game. <clears throat> uh, that was his only catch, and he fumbled. I think you're going to see a lot less of Sammy Watkins and a lot more of a, a three-headed monster in Brown, Bateman, and Andrews. But I'll, I'll close with this. In the event that Brown is out, I really do think that Rashad Bateman is someone we need to be, be looking at at $4,500. Mark Andrews is $6,000. Um, yeah, I like it. Now, for the Bears side, there, this is, I, don't, I don't really like this from a fantasy standpoint. But I was over on Odd Shopper and came across a prop that I really like. So this is going to be one where I'm actually hitting an over but not because I think they're going to smash just because there's one spot that I think is nice. And I don't have to worry about other salaries for guys making them better plays than this guy. That's David Montgomery, Matt. 
His over is 55 and a half rushing yards. That's just not a lot of rushing yards for a guy who came back after being on the IR out for what a month and plays 85% of snaps, 85% of snaps. His touch count was low on the ground, but that's because Pittsburgh does have a quality run defense. I'm not saying Baltimore's is bad, but they allow four and a half yards per attempt. I think that he gets enough opportunity on the ground to crush that. We have it a 74% expected win rate, 37% expected ROI. And our projections that you would find at Awesome are right on every single bet here. We have him projected at 69.7 rushing yards. I've got to take the over there. I already did. This is a spot where I don't like him for DFS, but I love him in this bet. All right. I buy that. You know what? I actually think salary-based expectations tell us that we can actually play David Montgomery Ooh, here Okay. Too. Yeah, not that it's a good spot, you know, touchdown underdogs here. They are at home. Uh, I saw in the chat they're talking about the possibility of cold, windy conditions. Honestly, that would affect my opinion on the chances of this game shooting out. You would still give a little bit of boost to the rushing games there if there were weather concerns. But David Montgomery is, yeah, the same thing I saw. I'm seeing a player who immediately stepped into a full-time role. They want to have him be the focal point of this offense. His projection is right in the top 15 of our running back projections right now. And he's running back 26 in salary at 5,500. In tournaments, does he produce kind of that ceiling game that you absolutely have to have? Probably not. He has to fall into the end zone a couple times here. But I, I could see getting to Montgomery as a value option here in this mid-tier salary range. Not terrible. And kind of better than the rest of the Bears options. I'm certainly not going to their passing game very often. Yo, Artie Van Housen, what's up, Artie? Just said, this is name one of the one of the funniest fellas ever to grace the, the airwaves, old Artie Lang. He's back too, Matt. You ever listen to the old Artie Lang, Howard Stern days? I have not listened to that, but I love Artie Lang. Oh, he's the best, man. I can fix that schnoz of his, but uh, yeah, he his, his like, run from around 2001 to 2009 on Howard was one of the it's the actually I don't listen to Howard anymore but it's the best radio that that has ever been around hands down but already says Mon listen to this Montgomery's prop went down to 49 and a half on prize picks smash that Matt go 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 and this is why you use odd shopper in conjunction with so much of this stuff like you go to that prop, just type it in the search bar. Even if you're not betting like sports betting, but you're playing on prize picks, go there and type that in. You'd see that we've got him projected for almost 20 more yards. How often do you see something like that, Matt, projected for almost 20 more yards than his prop right now? That's insane. I was talking about that on the uh, on an NBA show this week earlier where sometimes, forget the projections that we did, it's a trust the math situation. When when our tools say something that strongly, I just kind of go with it. You have to. And prize picks is awesome. Like, we, we talk about it all the time because there's absolutely good spots to hit here. I've been hammering those rushing touchdown props because there's no <laughs> juice on either side of these. Jordan has it pulled up. Um, you know, you can... You can 100% make good money here at Prize Picks, Jordan. I see you got you got a little bit of you got a little bit of action in the bankroll as well. We should put something together real quick, Matt, and we should start with the David Montgomery 49. And Jordan, will you play this? Will you put money on it? All right, let's do it. 
So, oh, use okay. the promo code AWESOMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Get up to $50 when you deposit for the first time at Prize Picks. You got to do it. All you got to do is make, uh, you're making lineups. There's no juice on the over-under. You're betting the over, or you're putting the over-under into a lineup. Could be five, it could be four. Um, and if you hit four of five, you're still two extra money. If you hit three, you still make money back. Not like a traditional book where you bust out on the last leg and you win nothing. It's a really cool, uh, it's a really cool site. You can download the app in the app store, Google play store, go to prizepicks.com, wherever it is and use that promo code. I'm sorry. It's up to a hundred dollars on the instant deposit match, uh, oh, nice. with a ton, a ton of what's that, Matt? I said, that's nice. That's a yeah. solid promo. With a ton of sports to choose from. All right, throw that in first. Uh, throw the Montgomery. I'm going with another overprop, Matt. I'm going over 65 and a half on A.J. Dillon, someone I told you about earlier. I think the guy might see 20 carries. Of course I'm going over six and a half against a team that allows 130 rushing yards per game. Ooh, I like that. All right, I'm going to be targeting the – Ooh. I know it doesn't look pretty from a DFS standpoint, but we're taking a pretty strong stand in this Jacksonville-San Francisco game. Trevor Lawrence just does not look good. Urban Meyer might be a donkey. What about Trevor Lawrence under 212.5 passing yards? I dig it. <clears throat> yeah, I like that quite a bit. What's up? The first one was David Montgomery over 49.5 yards. A.J. Dillon over 65.5 rushing yards. And then um, I I'm going to go. So on, on this last one, Matt, what do you say we do something from tonight? All right, let's do it. All right. Because, I mean, why not get a little bit of action tonight as well? Where are you at on Damian Harris? I'm really iffy on him. I'm really iffy on him. I, I just feel like this this whole backfield is in flux in New England. It could happen for him, of course. They could go. They could do the Patriots thing and never play Ramondre Stevenson again for some unknown reason. But yeah. I think there's a huge range of outcomes. Yeah, I do too. All right, let's go with one more. Jordan, pick four of them. Pick four and poll our audience, and we'll go with that. We'll go with that one after we run the poll. You guys, let us know which ones, or if you have any, just let us know. But check out Prize Picks; it's a lot of fun. Let's do a four-pick power play. Over 65 and a half yards. Let's do a four pick power play. So throw the last one in there. And we'll make it happen over at prize picks. Matt, anything else for Chicago? Uh, I guess Darnell Mooney's starting to look better in expected fantasy points, but just like to a normal fantasy relevant player, not like we have to play him at all at 5,200. Uh, RIP Allen Robinson, mm. you know, maybe next mm. year. Yeah. He might not play this, this week either. Maybe it'll be a good thing for him. Oh, Cole Komet, too. Uh, I think we should mention Cole Komet is getting more usage as well, up to 10.5 expected fantasy points over the last six weeks. Tight end 14 in our projections, tight end 20 in salary. That looks pretty solid. All right. Jordan, you can uh, flip over prize picks on the sidebar since we just hit it. Let's talk about San Francisco and Jacksonville. Debo Samuel is a, an outright stud. My God, this guy is good. It's really ridiculous at this point how he is able to do what he does. Matt, the guy's averaging nine and a half yards after the catch. And it's not like he has a Rondell Moore a dot either. Like he actually gets targeted downfield on a lot of stuff and just keeps going. Really. He's, he's having probably the most impressive season as a wide receiver, not named like Cooper cup or Tyree kill. I think that's how good he's been this year. 
it's a it's a weird spot, <clears throat> excuse me, against Jacksonville, because even though Eli Mitchell had that that surgery on his finger, Shanahan expects him to play. And it's possible that that he just gets another insane workload. He had 27 carries in that bludgeoning on primetime uh, television against the Rams last week. 27 carries. So I don't know what the pass volume looks like, but I will say that Debo Samuel every single week can put up monster numbers. And this Jacksonville team is not exactly the vaunted defense that we've seen in the past. But again, he's kind of expensive, and there's a lot of really good wide receivers at top at the top. Yeah, yeah. I think you you broke that down pretty darn well there. Number one in fantasy points per route run for Debo Samuel. Just insanely efficient this year on a huge amount of volume. Number two in target share, number 15 in the NFL in air yard share. I think you can definitely play him at his wide receiver five salary on DraftKings, 7,800. Eli Mitchell does seem like there is some status concerns, but assuming he does play, I think you could definitely do worse at 5,800. We have salary-based expectations right in line with his projections. And Jeff Wilson and Kyle Juszczyk only become, you know, large field tournament play options here. I was really surprised to see how well they played against the LA Rams defense, which has been considered one of the best defenses in the league. And now you're talking about playing against Jacksonville, who I know frustrated Josh Allen a couple weeks ago, but I don't really see any problems for this or any upcoming problems for this San Francisco offense, unless they just lay a complete egg. And, you know, I I may not play Jimmy Garoppolo in tournaments that much in DFS, but it is a situation where I went over to odd shopper because they do have such an advantage on this offense that, you know, I'm looking at the over on completions, 21.5. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to smash that. I think he has a chance to even go over 245.5 uh, passing yards, which is his current prop line. We have an expected win rate on that of 70%. So he may not be my favorite DFS play. I'll probably go to Eli Mitchell or Debo Samuel on that one. Uh, but I'll definitely be betting on Garoppolo. Kittle, great to see Kittle back. I still think the salary is a little tough to get to at 7,800, but I'll have a little of it for sure. Okay. Uh, appreciate you, Hugo. Glad to have you here, man. And Artie, that's a great one. I already took that uh, elsewhere. Mixing over 57 and a half rushing yards, Jordan. Mixing over 57 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I think that's a phenomenal spot. And he's actually one of my favorite contrarian tournament options as well this week. We've got him projected for 65 and a half rushing yards. Uh, 63% expected win rate over 64 and a half yard prop. So, yeah. Let's hammer that. Get that in there. Throw it in the four. What? Power play. Four, four, four prop power play. We're going for broke here. I want a 10x on four of these. All right. I love it. Um, anything else for San Francisco then, Matt? Uh, Brandon Ayuk is a name that you hear in the fantasy football world quite a bit, but it's just probably not happening this year. 7.9 expected fantasy points over the last six weeks. That's 59th among wide receivers on this slate. That makes a 5k salary wide receiver 37 doesn't unappealing to me. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. And thank you, Manny, for the super chats, man. You're the best for the morning crew at awesome.com. Producer Jordan, keep them beats coming. What beat? Oh, this is a good thing to hit on, actually. Um, if Mitchell sits, 
Jeff Wilson obviously becomes closer yep. to that free square option. Uh, they keep talking about how they want to get him more involved. I think really what's been going on is they haven't had a huge need to. We can't really discern a whole lot from the game flow in a close game by the way that that game script went last week. I do think that Jeff Wilson would be the primary bell cow back, but Kyle Juszczyk would definitely see more involvement. You know Kyle Shanahan, and he's going to get creative with things. Well, it also depends if Jermichael Hasty is active as well because he was out last week. He's been getting some yeah. pass-catching duty as well. I'm with you. Uh, Jeff Wilson was responsible for my best uh, – one of my best weeks last year because I got him on the afternoon slate very, very low on because everyone was on the Jermichael Hasty train, and that's the thing with San Francisco. Sometimes you just don't know, right? So – right. Uh, Wilson would be the guy, though, for sure, and I would have a lot of him. Jeff Wilson's not bad, and he can rack up some big games. Anyone can behind this offensive line. Uh, with Jacksonville, hey, what a putrid football team offensively. If, if you can't do anything against that Colts secondary, especially playing from behind, and I'm waiting for people to be like, yeah, but Lafay, they only lost by uh, six points and covered. Yeah, they covered, but they stink. Uh, I, I'm just... I don't want anything from this offense. And James Robinson might not even play again this week. So then the question is, do you want to play Carlos Hyde? Yeah, he saw a lot of opportunities in that game against Buffalo that they inexplicably won without scoring a touchdown. So 21 carries for 67 yards. I do think Ingram would be involved and they'd probably throw to, or I'm sorry, Hyde would be involved and they'd throw to him. But uh, it's not the best spot, man. I, I, if Robinson's out there, you have to at least consider him at, at almost minimum salary. Sure, sure. The salary at 4400 on DraftKings is so low that you'll have to consider him as a just a pure lots of touches player. Yeah, we get that. We, we're always looking for those types of players in DFS. And Trevor Lawrence is another player who I'm not really planning on playing much in DFS, but I am going to hammer the unders here on 21.5 completions and that passing yards line that we took in that prize picks bet. As you said, James Robinson, still not 100%. And even if you look at expected fantasy points, 14.5 over the last six weeks in games that he did play, that is a little behind salary-based expectations. So I'm pretty met there. And then we've talked about how poor Trevor Lawrence has played already a little bit today or I mean I just see nothing that I really like here in this passing game uh, 162 yards in week 10 118 yards in week 9 238 yards against Seattle in week 8 like I get it like he has passed for over 300 yards you can never say never it's not impossible here against San Francisco but I think it's possible that this defense wipes the floor with the Jacksonville Jaguars um, the only other the only person I might play is like an off the wall play like Jamal Agnew at 4,700 or maybe Dan Arnold still at 4,100. He's at a playable salary. All right. I'm happy to move away from this one. Let's talk Miami and the New York jets. All right, Matt, remember last week I, I was talking about how insanely high the, the actual game totals, the final totals have been in these jets games recently. Well, last week they allowed 45 points again another 62 total points scored. So now they've allowed over the last five games, 27, 54, 31, 45, 45. This is, Matt Kajewski had me laughing uh, the other day, um, yesterday on the ownership show when he was saying like, 
we both agreed, you know, college, when people say this college team could beat this professional team, that's stupid because all of these guys are some of the best college players in the country. He's like, if, if it was ever possible, it would be against this Jets secondary. I mean, you got some UDFAs that came that are on that, that starting on this team. This secondary is ass. And when you look at this from a fantasy standpoint, I know that Tua Tagovailoa came off the bench to replace uh, with Jacoby Brissett last game, but another week to heal up. I, I'm not saying you go out there and you just run heavy dolphin stacks everywhere, but I definitely think that Jalen Waddle could be okay, depending on where you're getting him at his price point. I think Mike Gesicki can be fine because remember, Fuller's not coming back this week. Devontae Parker's on the IR. And Mike Gusecki, believe it or not, Matt, is averaging almost 19 and a half looks per game over his last five, which is probably worth mentioning given his volume has come up. Wait a minute, 19 and a half looks? Yeah. Whoa. Is look that true? His, and maybe it's his last four. Hold on, look. Okay, so here you go. His last, sorry, his last four games. Uh, 16 looks, 26, 16, 19. So, oh, I mean, oh, you mean Gaskin. He what did Mike I say? That, Mike Gusecki. That's all. I'm sorry. That's I'm all. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I'm, I'm sorry. You. Yeah. Um, no, but Mike Gusecki did f- somehow figure out a way to have zero receptions on seven targets last week. Uh, no, G- Gaskin, though, is getting a lot of opportunity. And, and ever since Malcolm Brown went down, he's getting a large, large share of the backfield touches as a rusher as well. So do I love him? No. Are the Jets awful? Like awful defensively? Yeah, so I'm not just going to overlook everyone for Miami this week because they're not the best offense. I think they are a better offense than the Jets are as a defense. Yeah, I think you broke that down really well. I'm glad we broke. We figured out what you meant there because I'm in complete agreement here. You can definitely play Miles Gaskin at 5,700, RB22 uh, in salary on DraftKings. Yeah, as you said, I don't really think they want to go anywhere else. Salvin Ahmed is really just a spell back here. He's at five expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks. And Jalen Waddell has really been kind of thrust into this number one wide receiver role. Uh, as you said, there's a lot of uncertainty with the production from Mike Gusecki, though the opportunity has been there. So Jalen Waddell has really been the only one we can sort of trust in this offense 15.6 expected DraftKings fantasy points is 13th among all receivers on this slate. That's nothing to scoff at. So when you consider his wide receiver 28 salary, it's a go for me. I, I agree. I think the Jets, what a really special year this is where the Jets and the Lions, and really you could include the Texans in there, have historically, historically terrible secondaries. Uh, and if you look at PFF, <laughs> coverage grades they're all below 40 which is which is kind of amazing it's just incredible how low that can go but it's great for fantasy purposes i know they're only three point favorites here but i think there's a ton to like about the miami offense have you seen the jets run defense grade on pff (laughs) what is it it's below 30 yeah, that's the only problem, really, right? Is you don't even have to pass on them. They're right. one of the biggest run funnel defenses because they just are so bad everywhere. It's brutal. They're allowing the third most yards per carry, the third most yards per game. They've allowed, ready for this, 19 rushing touchdowns, which is four more than the next worst team, which is the Texans, which is three more than the next worst team, which is the 49ers. I mean, 19 rushing touchdowns allowed on the season for the New York Jets. Um, it's amazing. 
because they're that bad. They're that bad. They're allowing 8.4 yards per attempt passing as well, which is bested only by the Detroit Lions. You can do whatever you want. You want to play Miles Gaskin? Sure. You want to stack Tua with Jalen Waddell and, and Mike Kosicki? It's not the craziest thing. I mean, this is a bad defense. So, yeah, I can. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have some. Even if I'm not stacking, I want to sprinkle in some pieces of this game just in case. You got Joe Flacco on the other side starting Matt, who's not a downgrade from Mike White, who wasn't a downgrade from uh, from Zach Wilson. But we had a good question in chat, and it's it's applicable for sure. It's relevant. Yes, Mike White was throwing to his running backs a lot. I mean, that really buoyed the production in any blowout for guys like Michael Carter or for uh, even even Ty Johnson. I don't know what it's going to look like, Matt, with, with Flacco. I know that Josh Johnson came in and didn't target his running backs at all. So, yeah, I, I think you have to assume that, that Michael Carter sees fewer targets. But what are you doing with the Jets in this game? They're, all, they're, they're not big dogs. Probably just saying no to the Jets, really. <laughs> I I think that playing Joe Flacco here is like an organizational white flag on the season. They're just sort of surrendering in a weird, in a weird way that doesn't send a lot of great signals to Zach Wilson, even if there is some truth to the fact that he's still rehabbing here. Our projections tend to like players like Flacco who have literally zero in expectation, but because they're a quarterback they're going to rack up fantasy points in a lot of our simulations. He's quarterback 20. I don't think you need him in tournaments, though, even though he that is better than his quarterback 30 salary, 4,600 <laughs> on DraftKings. But I, it doesn't mean I like the play. It, the only player I might really go to is Michael Carter, just because he is a contrarian option in that 55 to 6K range. And I know his ownership's going to be pretty darn low and his projection is within salary-based expectations. Elijah Moore. I mean, I guess Joe Flacco could start to feature Elijah Moore, but how do we know that going into this game with Corey Davis back with Jamison Crowder expected to play? Uh, he targets tight ends a lot. So is Ryan Griffin suddenly a thing? Uh, I'm joking. I have, I have no idea. I probably have no interest in the Jets passing attack. Okay. I'm with you. Hey, if you guys haven't done so yet, take take the one pause, one quick second, and hit that thumbs up. Greatly appreciate you in advance. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, hit that subscribe. Help us get to 70K. Keep on trekking upwards. Matt, I'm good with this Jets team as well. I, I, I will just say I don't think Michael Carter is the craziest idea. I, I don't love him, but he's going to get volume pretty much every week. And if I was looking to anyone from the from the Jets passing game, it would be a 5K Corey, uh, Corey Davis, just because I think he's actually a decent enough player who should get targets in the red zone. Uh, and if this game does happen, like if you're looking to run it back with someone, Corey Davis would be my guy. All right, who do we have up next? Houston and Tennessee. Oh, okay. 10-point dogs are the Houston Texans. 43, 44.5-point total. I think Brandon Cooks is fine, to be honest, just because I expect a lot of volume. I don't think he's uh, a stellar option this week, but he is getting some ownership. I think he's priced reasonably. Terod Taylor sucked last game, but he's still better than Davis Mills. So for me, this is like Brandon Cooks and nobody else. Yeah, I get that. It's, man, what a far cry from what Houston, Tennessee would have been a season ago. 
with yeah, the quarterback man. matchups and the and this all the skill players. So I'm kind of bummed there from a football fan standpoint. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're not playing the running backs, you're probably not playing Sarad Taylor. I guess he's QB 29 in salary. So if you do have the guts to go there, you know, with the possibility that he can run into the end zone, you can do a lot with your lineup. But from a projection standpoint, the only player on this offense that sticks out is Brandon Cooks. His wide receiver 22 salary is way behind his wide receiver. He's inside the top 15 in our projections right now. I think a lot of other people are going to end up going there. We're already seeing his ownership creep up above 10%, but that doesn't mean he's unplayable here. Uh, it's it's not a great, a great matchup against the Tennessee defense, which has improved, but you can definitely play, play him. Swaggy pieces, Higgins over Cooks. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Higgins is getting a lot of ownership right now, and I think he's a, a solid play, albeit a pretty low upside one from what we've learned. I, I honestly, I, I think the ceiling on Cooks is higher because there's no Jamar Chase. There's not even a Tyler Boyd. There's not a Joe Mixon. Like, there's nobody else on that team. So, I don't know. I guess it's a preference of whether or not you want that ridiculous target share um, or you want players or defenders not maybe keying in on Higgins as much as they would with, with Brandon Cooks. But, and the game uh, environment is better. Uh, sure. I, we just expect more points to be scored sure. in that Cincy sure. Vegas game. But I digress. What about the Tennessee Titans? Is Deontay Foreman, is he going to be the lead back? I'm predicting it now, Matt. He's going to be the lead back this week and get most of the carries in the backfield. Not endorsing him as a fantasy option because there's a lot of good mid-range and lower-tier plays, but I think Foreman takes over as the guy in Tennessee with Derrick Henry out. I mean, it could happen here. He's got the size and speed. I mean, he tore his Achilles, and that has no, traditionally rubs- been... Oh, it was. I mean, you're right. He ruptured his Achilles. You're right. He you're ruptured right. his Achilles. And, you know, I had Dante Foreman in a lot of dynasty leagues. He ruptured it on a killer touchdown run. I digress. Um, it, it I took loved him, a him coming years into get, the league. Yeah, yeah. It took him a couple of years to get back. And it's really exciting to see a player like him who was a size-speed combination kind of come back here his 31.6 bmi is 81st percentile and he's still just 25 years old has a really solid speed score which is just weight adjusted 40 yard dash time i mean this guy can get it done so if he gets enough touches i'm be really interested here he had 13 opportunities last week he's only 4900 on DraftKings. The ownership's really low right now. There's certainly a possibility that Adrian Peterson just is the guy at the goal line and falls into the end zone, two yards, two touchdowns, a stat line like that. And Jeremy McNichols probably gets involved as well. But I kind of like the call in tournaments. I think that could that could be that could be really interesting there. Yeah. And he actually led the team in red zone carries too. They didn't uh, you know, have a ton, but I, I think you're going to see McNichols scarcely used in the run game. And amazingly, look, dude, look up Deontay Foreman in college for at Texas and at the NFL level. Very limited opportunities as a pass catcher, but this guy rips off big plays and big runs. He's really good at following blockers. Go back and look at last week. He had like a 30-some yard catch and run. He's done it a bunch, even though he hasn't had a lot of uh, chances. Every time Deontay Foreman catches the football, it seems like he goes for 20-plus yards. So, even if you give him two, three targets in a game like this, I'm cool with it. 
but yeah, Adrian Peterson, man, look, much respect, but he's dust at this point. There's nothing left in the gas tank, Matt. Maybe he falls into the end zone, but there's not much there. Why not see what you got in Deontay Foreman? It's going to be no worse than it is with a Peterson or, or a McNichols. I think he'll be better. So, yeah, you know, worth a shot. Is he, is he? I don't think he's getting any ownership either. Not right now. Like, none. Right now, I think it's 2%. Yeah. Man, Deontay Foreman would be such a good pivot off of Carlos Hyde or something if, if James Robinson ended up being out. That's a good and, and I say that because look at their look at their their implied total in this game, right? Way, way higher than Jacksonville's. Right. It's what what's it at right now? They're 10 point favorites. They have a 27 and a half point implied total. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw a really cool stat too with the number of weeks on each side of the ball that Tennessee has missed. Uh Tennessee has players missed in their starting roles and it's absolutely bonkers that this team is still competing for first place. I know their division is easy and the Colts are kind of gaining on them with some decent play of late, but still this team is incredibly impressive with the amount of talent that they haven't had available and still to be at that record right now, number one in the AFC, super impressed. What do you think for the passing game here? AJ Brown, Marcus Johnson, anything else you want to get to? It's A.J. Brown and really kind of nothing else. Not really interested in Mar uh, Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, or Westbrook Akine, who's essentially not used at all anymore. But Brown is pretty solid looking at 7,700. And expected fantasy points, his 15.7 expected DraftKings points is 12th among wide receivers. That means you can definitely play him when he's 6th in salary. Uh, hasn't had that blow-up game in a minute, but you could, you could see him getting back to, what was it, 30-point game like three weeks ago? Yeah. So, you know, you know, that's in his range of outcomes. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, so that's it for me as well. Marcus Johnson doesn't really excite me much. You know who? Oh, whoa, no, actually, I did have somebody else. You ready for this, Matt? You ready to dive deep into the bowels of the player pool here on DraftKings? Sorry, Jordan. Okay. I might have I think been I know triggering. Who it is. Let's see if I get uh, it right. All right. Um, <laughs> Jordan told me he had to step away for a second and then I go and use that reference. It <laughs> can't be, can't be helpful. Uh, Jeff Swain. Hear me wow. out. Hear me out. Hear me out. If you're going with a tight end is sucked this season, Matt. Okay. Even with like Waller and, and guys Goddard, we expected to be great. Kelsey's been good, but had some really rough games. Kyle Pitts has basically two good games. Kittle's solid, but run-heavy approach. It's possible that a 10, 12 fantasy point game for your tight end could be all you need, especially if you say, listen, I want to jack up some, some high-tier wide receivers or running backs. I'm trying to load up elsewhere. Jeff Swain is not what you would consider an exciting option. He does, however, have 14 targets and 12 receptions over his last three games. He has two touchdowns over his last three games as well. He has been looked at in the red zone. So, yeah, I think if you need someone dirt cheap, if you're going to the bottom of the barrel, right, and you just are looking to get there, hell, maybe you're punting defense as well. You're just going all out insanity. Just playing 70-plus percent of snaps every single week. 
It's not the craziest idea to get like four for 30 and a touchdown, which puts you over the top at a position. That's all. Man, I'm going to feel for you when Michael Pruitt or Anthony Ferkser falls in the end zone. Could be. It's going to be tough. Could, could, <laughs> well, I, I can assure you my week will not be dependent on Jeff Swain scoring. I'm just, you know, we got a lot of questions all the time. Like, do you have any good punts? Are there any cheap options that you, that you'll look at? Um, you know, I'm, 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 oh, I'm not risk averse. I'm willing to take some shots. I would say, yeah, why not go at a position that's like other than defense is the most volatile and, and lowest scoring. So yeah, uh, that's, that's where I would be going here. Plus five targets in this offense, Jeff Swain has a 17% target share over the last three weeks. Cause they just don't pass the ball a ton. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I buy it. I buy it. He is. You don't even have to. I'm just telling you, he's got, he's going to score twice in the first quarter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's the thing with the last thing I'll say, and then we can move on from this game is the, the tight ends at that salary tier with that low of a median projection. I usually like to play in a game stack or within a, a really solid game environment. And now we're talking about a low total game. I guess they are favored and we we do like home favorite tight ends. So that's a pretty solid correlation. But other than that, I'm probably not getting to a lot of other players in there. So it makes it a slightly less appealing play. It just feels very strange to just like roll out naked Jeff Swaim from that game and then game stack all around it with different stuff. So I don't know. You guys. Man, if you're hand building and you're like, okay, man, I love this lineup. Look at that. I've got AJ Dillon, but I've also got Tyreek Hill. Man, I got Diggs in this lineup. Shit, I, I think I even got Joe Mixon. I got 2,800 left for a tight end. So do I want to downgrade at those positions or take a shot? Someone might want to take a shot. We'll see. Anyway, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Matt. What do you think here of the Saints as two-point dogs at Lincoln Financial Field with Trevor Simeon at quarterback? And I think you probably get Alvin Kamara back this week. Um, I think it's a little generous to the Philadelphia Eagles, to be honest. I yeah. think they played much, much better last week. We now have a much more positive idea of what they can be in their range of outcomes on the Philadelphia side of things. But New Orleans played Tennessee tough. We just talked about how solid of an overall team the Tennessee Titans are. So it's not really, you know, it's not really that bad to see them lose that game, especially with Kamara absent. I do think Kamara gets back here. He's already started practicing midweek. His projection looks really fantastic when you consider he's down to RB5 in salary on DraftKings. I'm going to be all over that. Mark Ingram isn't going completely away here, but that's only because they can't give every single touch to Alvin Kamara. I'm not really interested in the passing game. Uh, the Philadelphia defense has been pretty strong this year against the pass, right in line with league average, really, and schedule-adjusted fantasy points uh, allowed. And so it doesn't make Trevor Simeon appealing at all. Really just Kamara. Uh, and then everyone else is a large field tournament option. It's just that Philadelphia offense finally realizing that they can get to a ceiling game, which could theoretically push this game beyond its middling 44-point total. You know, I think there is a sliver of a chance that this game could shoot out because Jalen Hurts has a ceiling game, and then the Saints are forced to 
pick up the passing and pace. I just think it's not the most likely outcome. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I don't really see much need to get greedy here. Uh, unless, like, the, the only thing I'd say is if Alvin Kamara is getting no ownership at all, he's just so, he's so electric. But, like, Ingram is probably going to get used as well. And that, that I don't feel great about. But I'll tell you this much on the other side. Excuse me. A lot, a lot of shows, man. I still got, I'm just going to start. Drinking no, no, no. Pop. That's a, that's a Pavlovian response to your Eagles. You thought that was, con- they you made thought me that tired. was about your fatigue. So you I'm just, like a you... salivating dog when it comes to, <laughs> you... <laughs> except the opposite. I get so fatigued and bored by that team that I start yawning. Okay. I You're get existentially uh, tired with Do the you, Eagles. If you have cold coffee sitting on your desk, like I had a show this morning. Will you drink it? Yeah, of course. Okay, me too. Like I'll make sure this is gone and it's freezing cold. I like the taste of coffee, just period. I drink it black now. My wife got me drinking black coffee. Yeah. Cheers. Feels healthier. You know? Especially when you're doing these shows and we're drinking like eight cups a day. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> Matt, Philadelphia is a weird team. Let me just kind of lay out what I'm thinking here. They, everyone just assumes that this is a pass funnel game. And I'm here to tell you that it might actually not be. Now, I think it's a pass funnel defense, yes. But the way that the Eagles have stayed competitive, and let's not kid ourselves, this New Orleans offense is not very good right now either. So it doesn't seem likely that the Eagles are playing catch up down multiple scores to kick off a game like they would be against Tampa or they were against the Chiefs. So I think given that, yes, very good run defense, the best in the league, arguably for the Saints, it's either them or the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. But the Eagles have one of the best run blocking lines in the league. They have a mobile quarterback that can make life difficult for opposing teams. And the best game we've seen out of them as a team was against the lions where they ran a hundred times and then against the chargers, they lost by a field goal as time expired. And then last week, Jalen hurts clearly played his best game as a pro. They ran the ball again, like crazy and dominated Denver in Denver. The formula is working right now. And if Nick Sirianni isn't dumb and he actually, I'm starting to give him a little bit of credit, which means that this week he's just going to go completely rogue, Matt. I still you're going, Oh no. Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not saying I'm playing this backfield. I'm not. I'm telling you right now. But I do not think they're just going to abandon a formula that has worked for them recently. I think they will continue to try and run the ball, just as Washington did against Tampa, albeit unsuccessfully They, in terms of efficiency. They still got that win. They still got that win. And I think the Eagles try to do the same this week. I think you're on to something here. We have not seen them go over 30 pass attempts in four weeks. And really, if you go back to the last five weeks, they've only done it one time. So they've clearly tried to figure this out, balance things a little bit more. And I will say he's not going to come back this week, but it's exciting that they designated Miles Sanders to return from IR this week. Jalen Hurts, he still is so good for fantasy because of the rushing floor. We've said it every single week. It hasn't changed. And he hit 53 yards rushing. I said 60-yard rushing floor. I guess I got to downgrade that a little bit to a 50-yard rushing floor. But it's really only Lamar Jackson is comparable in that rushing boost that you get from Jalen Hurts by rostering him every week, which is why when you see him in the middle of the QB salary range, 
you you just say it's a go even against the new orleans defense that has stopped rushers in the past it's not going to mean that they completely stop qbs from scrambling or even qbs in an option game or a design rush game their pass rush i should say new orleans has not been good this year they are sixth worst in pff's uh defensive pass rush grade and if they can keep the the jalen hurts line can keep jalen hurts upright and let him make decisions on that 25 to or so passes that he does i think you could see a win here for sure i kind of like the idea of just playing jalen hurts but if dallas goddard is able to make it back you could play him devonta smith man he's breaking out it's awesome to see he has he's subject to the same volatility that all wide receivers are but if in terms of pff grades over the last five weeks he is starting to enter that upper echelon of wide receivers he's basically breaking out this year albeit on a run first team uh if i'm going anywhere it's definitely smith first in the passing game yes sir and i'll tell you he has a 30 percent target share over the last couple of weeks low volume though so take that with a grain of salt right uh, it's not 30% on Tampa or on Buffalo, but he's still, oh, and uh, somebody mentioned the Eagles defense. I actually don't think that's the craziest idea. If you wanted to play uh, a cheap Eagles defense either. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to advise against that. They're sub three K. I don't love them, but I it's not it. crazy low scoring game, small favorites at home. But how about this, Matt? I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas Goddard sits. I don't think he plays after that concussion. He's still in the concussion protocol. He hasn't been practicing. We don't have the practice report yet today. So if you're watching this after the fact, after we were live on Thursday morning, maybe things change, maybe he practiced. But if he doesn't play, you're looking at, you know, Devontae Smith for sure, clear top option because it's been him and Goddard. And then uh, Quez Watkins or whatever. And I don't really feel like going to those guys. So, yeah, I think that Devontae Smith is actually kind of an interesting play in this game. And the Saints secondary has coughed up some big passing games to opposing teams recently as well. So that's where I'm at. I think we're on the same page. Yep. The only thing I'll add is that because New Orleans tends to be a uh, be able to stop opposing rushers pretty successfully, they end up becoming a natural pass funnel. So in that case, Devonta Smith looks pretty solid. Right now, projections do not look good compared to salary-based expectations. No. If Goddard sits, I want to say, I want to make one call that Tyree Jackson, if he's still active, that converted quarterback, he's going to get one goal line look. Okay, but no Jeff Swain. I get it. But we'll go to Tyree <laughs> Jack. It's going to be Jack Stahl. How about that? Yeah, yeah, it probably is. I mean, Jackson's run four total routes, but he ran three last week. Yeah, he's only been back for a couple of weeks, right? So, yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's a tough one. Hey, if you use the promo code Coach K, if you're in a state where college basketball's uh, legal for DFS, take advantage of it because they've been crushing our college basketball projections by Matt Gajewski. And the biggest thing, too, is there's edges to be had in sports like this because when you've got someone doing the work for you like Matt has been, it puts you in a really, really good spot. For $5, use the promo code Coach K, all one word, all caps. Get the college basketball projections for the first week for only $5. And if you want to get all of our sports, you can do an express pass for one or the other. You can do a weekly pass for everything. Ownership projections, top stack, boom, bust tool, uh, lineup builder. All of our all of our best tools created by Alex Baker, Awesome himself, number one ranked DFS player out there. 
Our guys have been winning a ton of money recently with these exact tools. We'll get to the Hall of Fame segment. I'll show you in a second. One guy just cannot get off of this heater, and it's wonderful. But, uh, yeah, you could do monthly, yearly, make a real investment out of it, do an all-access yearly, whatever you want to do. You know, Even if you're in a, in a tight spot and you want to check it out with an express pass, for $4 a week, you can do that as well. Go to awesome.com slash join. If you want to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on, uh, do that as well. Awesome.com slash join. Check it out. And if you have any questions, you can DM me over at Twitter. I'm happy to I'm happy to help you out with that. Uh, just as far as figuring out what's best for you or, or how to go about it all. Um, Detroit, Cleveland. The Lions have got, given themselves so many chances to win, Matt. They just can't. Just can't close out games, bro. They're 11 and a half point dogs against a Cleveland team that just got annihilated by the Patriots last week. 43 and a half point total. I want to know where you're at on DeAndre Swift because I think it's the only really valid play that we can mention this week. Yeah, I mean, he just gets so many targets for his position that we can play him, particularly on a full PPR site like DraftKings. We can go there. He's number one at his position in targets. And so while his full projection doesn't look fantastic at his RB10 salary, I'm not so scared of the Cleveland defense that I'm going to go away from DeAndre Swift. They are literally right at league average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. Sad to say that, you know, a zero is in TJ Hawkinson's range of outcomes in this offense, but that's what happens in that literally atrocious game in pittsburgh last week that's as bad as football can get folks in the nfl right now gosh <laughs> um but which you know, one was which one that, was that pittsburgh detroit game man amazingly it wasn't the worst game on the slate well i guess there were some big plays right there were some explosive plays but still if you look at it, like overall competence on both oh sides yeah of, the of ball, course of course but seattle green bay was rough that was on but you're right as well especially okay. the fact that it ended in a tie whenever that happens it's just brutal enraging enraging and, and so from that point you know jared goff does not look appealing at 5100 neither does khalif raymond or amon ross st brown you're not going there maybe jamal williams comes back this week i think jamar jefferson got hurt on that run um i'm not even going to try to pronounce the guy who's who also scored but i can't if, do it either Jam if Jamal Williams is out, we got to look um, at at his name that begins, his last name begins with an I. Just call him, isn't his first name like Gibson? Godwin. Gibson, Gibson I. Gibson God, I. Godwin I. Godwin I. Yeah, Thank just you. call him that. You know what? You know what is concerning though, and I just want to throw this out there. Jamal Williams was active week one, weeks one through week seven, and. He had, what, 71 of 149 running back carries. So that's almost a 50-50 split between him and DeAndre Swift. He did return to a limited practice yesterday. If Williams plays, I, I have a tougher time getting to Swift because if even if it's like a 60-40 split, the biggest concern with Swift all year and coming into the year was, can they get anything going on the ground? The answer has been a resounding no, by the way. Like, <laughs> it has the large majority of his production is coming through his past game involvement. So uh, at 7K, if he is going to get ownership where he's sitting at right now, that's actually a, a fade spot for me. But we'll see where the ownership comes in at. We'll see what Jamal Williams' status is and reevaluate once we get closer to lock. How do you evaluate, by the way, somebody like Nick Chubb, Matt, who 
uh, is still he's still on the the COVID nineteen list. I don't even know if he's going to play. Yeah, this is so tough. It's obviously it's a binary outcome, right? Because he's either out and he's projected very very well, or excuse me, out and he's and he's not projected at all, or he's in and he's projected very very well. Um, at his salary, at his, it would look fantastic to play him this week as favorites, pretty heavy favorites against the Lions who, uh, you know, yes, their secondary has been especially bad. They're beatable on the ground as well. Chubb is always that player who's outperforming expected fantasy points by a crazy amount. His 6.9 fantasy points over expected per game is third among all running backs on the slate, which means that you can play him even though his 13.8 expected fantasy points, eh, that's okay. Uh, I don't know. I, what I did like to see is that John Kelly, the other player who was put on the COVID list the same day as Nick Chubb, he got activated today. So at least there's the, we're getting into that window where we get the multiple negative tests. And if there is a situation where he doesn't get those multiple negatives, then I think you do got to look at right back to Dernis Johnson, who didn't have the best game as a free square running back, but was good enough. And I, I'm certainly going to be going right back there at 5,600. Not, not quite that free square level, but he's going to have projections well ahead of salary-based expectations if Chubb sits. In my opinion, that's, that's a free square. I, I, I get what you're saying. You're, you're actually being logical. And maybe I'm being emotional, but to me, it's a free square. Just to, well, let me put it. It's a phenomenal play if Chubb is out because they were getting smoked, and Darius Johnson still played 88% of snaps in that game. 88%. Okay, that is huge. I mean, people hit the over on rushing attempts, thinking there's no way we're gonna get there. He still got, because his rushing attempts prop was 18 and a half in a lot of spots. He got to 19. They were not competitive for a long time, and he still got there. He was targeted eight times. This is without scoring. This is without being particularly efficient, even though he had like 55 yards on the first drive, because I had the over 65 and a half rushing yards. And I'm like, wait, he might actually not get there. And he did. But um, wait, he's 5,600? 5, That's a free I thought you said 66. That's a free square. Dude, against against the Detroit Lions. Levin, yeah, you're probably you're probably right. You're you're probably right. I probably just o- overthought it and and essentially the Detroit Lions defense is on that Jets level of bad. They're yeah, in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed they look like a huge run run funnel. You probably just talked me into it. If Chubb is out then just I mean, just think, go with that salary. Think about this. If you're building lineups, how many of them do you think Surely, surely you can automate the process, but like if you're hand building lineups, how many of them are going to have Dearness Johnson? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. At least for me. He'll probably be super chalk if that's the case, too. He will be. Oh, God, that might be some super chalk I actually get to this week. I, I don't really like anything else for Cleveland, though. I have no interest in trying to lean on Baker Mayfield's arm right now. No, it's not good. And he got hurt, so we can't really project anything more from last game than we did previously. Landry's projection compared to his wide receiver 34 salary looks okay. Donovan Peoples-Jones is that large field tournament option that people like because he's caught a few bombs, but when you project him out, he doesn't really look all that exciting. And they continue to use a whole bunch of auxiliary weapons. Austin Hooper, Rashard Higgins, Anthony Schwartz, even David Njoku. And so they're really just all dart throws at that point. And 
The only reason you'd end up playing them is because you're trying to exploit Detroit's defense, which is that bad. So I understand from that perspective, none of them pop, though. Yeah. Anthony, you're right. 8K on FanDuel is not a free square, but I, I would still play him at 8K on FanDuel. That sounds crazy, right? I'd still play Deer. I, I don't know yet. <clears throat> and I'd have to, I'd want to see what ownership and, and projections look like if Chubb was out, but um, I don't. I don't think 8K is that crazy. I mean, this could be a huge game from Dearness Johnson. Hey, Jordan, appreciate that super chat, man. Uh, as always, I appreciate it. He said, thank you as always, gents. Ah, thank you, bro. Hey, can I add one thing to that? You can, can add whatever the hell you want, man. Because we, we talk about free square. How do we determine what a free square is? And there are definitely different ways of doing that. But I, I just want to say what mine is. What I usually do is I look at the amount of salary per projected touch or projected opportunity it's going to cost and then you look at the smallest salary it would take per projected touch and typically we want our free square running backs to pop in that metric right to the top there um that's that's really what it is right it's multiple opportunities more than everyone else in his salary tier that's what makes them a free square yeah i hear you and i think you'd probably be projecting Darius johnson for well over 20 carries or well over 20 touch uh, looks. Yep, yep, for sure. For yeah. sure I would. All right. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame, man. We got so so we got some big winners. I actually didn't have time to do it on the on the strategy show for the showdown with Gajeski and myself. Check that out if you haven't done so yet. Cause we just had so much stuff on there at the time. But it looks like we we updated it, made my life a little bit easier here. Awesome Hall of Fame. We want to brag for you. Shout out. Show you that love. When you tweet us at Awesome H-O-F and are rocking that Awesome avatar, that's what life is all about, man. And, uh, well, you get the free month, Awesome Plus Platinum, $90 value, everything on the site, every single tool, every single sport, all of that. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more and use that Awesome avatar, you can find it at awesome.com slash avatar right on the screen and tweet your wins at Awesome H-O-F. Include Matt and myself on that as well while you're at it. Draftaholic, Lafay underscore D, because we like to see this stuff. But uh, when it all comes down to it, we love doing this and we love seeing these wins and uh, showing you guys some love on top of the free month. Jordan Lockhart, again, he says, Unreal took down the monster with, he's the one that just super chatted us, with just three entries and the night slate on DraftKings. Can't thank the team at Awesome enough for their continuous input and expertise. The tools are next. I think you meant second to none because someone tried to correct you on that. Second to none. Appreciate y'all. 100,000, Matt. And then uh, 4,300. Just guy is crushing it. Awesome. Awesome. We'd love to see it. Congrats, man. So I know I mentioned this before, but we need a like a, a ring of honor on top of the Hall of Fame for the guys like Gene B. Kim and Jordan and a few others that have just gone on mega heaters, right? Like an exclusive, exclusive club above the Hall of Fame. I like it. We got to come up with a uh, like a killer name for it yes. too as we reveal it. Yeah, exactly. That, I really like that too, where it's just like, it, it, there are a lot of great players who use our tools and I think we all understand why that would be. And it's great to see a lot of us getting into that Hall of Fame segment, but it takes a little bit of, a little bit extra skill and a little bit of luck to go on that really, really huge run. And we wanna show those moments off because our tools can really help people get there. Absolutely. Pickens, 81. That's a Look at all those fire emojis. Nice lineup, man. And then you've got 
does it say Billy doing it? Billy, I think. Took down third in the Minimax. Thanks to the amazing tools. Thank you guys for everything. Love all the shows, and I'm proud to be part of this. Yeah, by the way, Minimax doesn't matter. Even if you're entering the, the, the nickel or the dime, if you finish first through third, that's a huge field. You get that. You, the value of this awesome sub might be worth more than than the win, which is just going to help you win more, and that's a great thing. Uh, Sean's on with the $43,000 win. Sean's on working behind the scenes at Osmo. Guy is a long-standing winning player in the DFS space and also part of the team here helping build all the tools at Osmo. T.O. Deck, our guy. Sunday night bank, Monday night football bank, 21,000. Follows it up with 13,000. Man, all you guys, appreciate you. I love seeing this. And we'll, uh, well, we'll, re we'll reset the board tomorrow, Matt, and we'll have some more winners, hopefully, after tonight's football slate. Go to awesome.com slash avatar. Get that and tweet us when you hit yours. If you want to get in inducted into the hall of fame here at awesome. All right, let's keep it rolling. Thanks, Jordan. Washington at Carolina. What do you think about the Washington football team on the road here against the now uh, presumed Cam Newton led Carolina Panthers? Yeah, I'm projecting Cam Newton to be in here and to be honest, this game is pretty low. We have a really big slate. We have a lot of options to get to. So I'm not prioritizing this game for some obvious reasons. The off-the-field storylines with Ron Rivera returning, Cam Newton's first start, that part's exciting as a fan. But from a DFS standpoint, I'm not really super into it. You could say Taylor Heineke is a value at QB 22 on DraftKings. I don't think... You know, we saw how we got to a ceiling, gets those rushing points in spades last week in that crazy matchup against Tampa Bay. Um, and, and we've seen Washington in spots have a bad enough defense that opposing offenses go crazy, forcing them to pass and play with pace. But in general, I'm probably just using these players in spots. Antonio Gibson does not have a good uh, projection compared to salary-based expectation. Neither does Terry McLaurin. Does that mean they're unplayable? No, it really doesn't. But the Carolina defense has been pretty solid this year and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. They're the only ones close to Buffalo. So there's just not much to like again uh, about Washington this week. Good, because I don't want to talk much about him either. The other side of this game, though, with Christian McCaffrey is at least worth talking about. Damn, $100 Super Chat from Jordan. And he just keeps coming. He said, would love that. Uh, on top of the awesome Hall of Fame, I hope the run continues. Going to keep doing what I'm doing. These tools and all your advice are what everyone should pay attention to. Thanks, man. He's funding the awesome operation lately with all these super chats, Matt. Hey, um, we're happy. To, we're happy to be here. We're happy that it helped. This is this is why we do it, man. This is so cool. Appreciate you, man. And I will say, too, with with all these super chats, like I'm full time here. and you know, things are different, but we, we always help like a lot of our part-time people and, 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 and contributors, we try and, you know, hit them up at the end of the year with something nice. And those super chats, uh, we, we, a lot of times we'll, we'll distribute them out and we've had a lot of them lately. So you guys are, are going to make some people happy around Christmas time for sure. So appreciate that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Matt, what do we do with Christian McCaffrey this week? I think we play him guys. I, I mean, I feel like he was close to that 40 burger, that typical Christian McCaffrey 40 burger. I know hundred percent. I know we got vulture and you know, that can, that can happen, but it almost felt like 
it was more likely to happen last week than it was in any other week. So the, the Cam Newton vulturing possibility has been there forever, but I still think you've got a possibility for 25 plus opportunities every single time Christian McCaffrey steps on the field. And when you look at the Washington defense, yeah, they showed up last week. They got some key turnovers early, but still they're fourth worst in the NFL in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. And so I'm going to go to the well with Christian McCaffrey. It's not cheap. It's 8,900. His projections a little bit below that, but I still love to play McCaffrey anytime his, I guess his ownership is starting to creep up again. Man, it's still hard for me to not play him here. It's very difficult. I like him. I just love some of the top-tier receivers, and I love a lot of the mid-range running backs. That might be the one thing that gets me less of like guys such as McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook is if I'm looking at the Dillons and we talk about Connor and if the Ernest Johnson is, in fact, the starter, that's the only thing. The, the running back could just be so loaded in that range. And last week we saw, there were some people saying it was dumb. I, I don't really know why saying it was dumb to have Mark Ingram and uh, was it Dearness Johnson in the same lineup? I can't remember if it was him or somebody else. I, a lot of people who were, were the saying cheap that backs? In, in, in tournaments that it was a fish play to play those two. I just think it's a little, it's just a little bit of a minimal look at DFS. Like the million maker winner played them. Yeah. And it, right. And I mean, Granted, there's been some millimaker lineups that are kind of inexplicable that have won before. But if you're worried about the overlap with, you know, people having that pairing, then how do you stack? Like, how do you stack a team like the like the, the Chiefs when when they're high on? You're going to have the same overlap there, and then you're going to have a similar run back. So I don't know. I thought it was perfectly fine. And like you said, yeah, it was it was the millimaker winner, man. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, that, that just was was bringing me to the point of McCaffrey. I don't know. I like him. I don't know how well he'll fit. I haven't built lineups yet. I'm not going to the passing game, though. There's too many guys I like elsewhere. Maybe you have something I'm, I'm not familiar with, Matt. Yeah, it was hilarious. We'd seen just decrepit play from the Carolina offense. Cam Newton comes back, vultures the two touchdowns and, you know, uh, a 50-50 split of the quarterback position. And he also gets Robbie Anderson involved. Like, what the heck is going on here? Um, inexplicable. Crazy. I don't think we learned that much here. The only thing I'm really going to be betting on is that DJ Moore probably has more upside in this version of the Panthers offense than he did before. I'd like to think that Cam Newton's shoulder is healthier. We have no idea. We have no idea what his arm looks like right now. So it's it's a stretch to say that DJ Moore is a must play. But right now, his projection compared to salary-based expectations looks really, really excellent, even in this low total game. Hey, where are you at on the Dallas Cowboys against the Kansas City Chiefs on a week where not a ton of ownership going to this Dallas team right now? I mean, Dak Prescott's coming in around 5%. Amari Cooper... Struggling lightly, but still 7%. C.D. Lamb, because there's so many other good top-tier wide receivers at 5%. Dalton Schultz at 4%. Whoo! I mean, if there was ever a spot that screamed uh, contrarian but high upside, you have to think there's a little bit of uh, meat on the bone here when it comes to this Dallas football team. Yeah, uh, 
we are interested in a 56 point total game for DFS. Believe it or not, <laughs> we are we are into it. Um, yeah. So when you see ownership projections, obviously they change throughout the week. You know, once you get to Sunday, definitely check in with our tools. But yeah, I really agree with you with this Dallas offense. Ezekiel Elliott with a positive leverage score, meaning their chance of being the optimal lineup outpaces current projected ownership. Same with CeeDee Lamb. Same with Amari Cooper. They're fourth in our top stacks value ranking. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to like here. Assuming that the Kansas City offense has worked out its problems, that it found, you know, it found its footing finally over the last few weeks. I think that the Dallas offense finally showing what it can do in that walloping of Atlanta last week, they went from, I believe it was seven to three to 36 to three in one quarter, in one (laughs) quarter. That's what the Dallas offense, someone, someone on Twitter said, that's like golden state warrior stuff. Yeah. Steph Curry shit right there. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. So, uh, you know, you know, the chiefs can do it on the other side. This is such a good game environment game stack away with this game. CD, Amari, Ezekiel Elliott, even Tony Pollard in large field tournaments, go for it. If that ownership is that low, I mean, I, I would probably feel safe saying that uh, a lot of my week will be riding on, on the Dallas Cowboys offense. And I'm okay with that. I, I would be okay with taking that risk for sure. I'm also okay yeah. getting to the Kansas City Chiefs, Matt, be it Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. And I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be active this week. Is he going to be activated? Um, it seems like he still might not, honestly. It, it looks more like he won't than he will. But Daryl Williams, how about this guy? Everyone was worried about Gore. Come on, man. I told you that was that was craziness. I mean, Daryl Williams, the touch counts every single week. Every single week, Matt, he had 20 looks last week, nine targets, nine receptions, 101 yards and a score through the air. He's getting targeted more than Clyde Edwards-Alaire ever did, which is upsetting because I liked Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But yes, the volume has been there for Williams. Tyree kills a stud. Travis Kelsey's a stud. Patrick Mahomes finally looked like his old self again. What else can you really say? Yeah, exactly. We we finally got we could exhale about the Kansas City Chiefs offense. That's really what we can feel. We knew that the ceiling game in their range of outcomes had not changed at all. They did have some issues with their offensive line. Certainly the turnovers were a little bit of randomness, but a little bit on them as well. They just weren't playing very effectively. They weren't executing as coaches consistently say. Still, Patrick Mahomes has a really, really solid projection. I'm going to be playing him at 7,600. Daryl Williams looks really appealing if Clyde is out, and none of the running backs look appealing if Clyde is in. It's really that simple. And then, of course, anytime I can get to Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey in a lineup, or I can stack them up with Patrick Mahomes, I'm probably doing things right. They still make it inordinately difficult to get to all three. I still understand why. And our top stacks tool, they're back to number one. Everything's hunky-dory, it seems, and and I totally get it. Dallas defense is pretty good this year. You know, in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, they're actually five or so points better than the league average. But again, that's not enough to change the median projection for these Chiefs, who I'm projecting closer to what we saw last week than the three weeks before that. Hell yeah, man. And Chronic Smith says, 
how do you get different if you stack this game? I, I'm not, this is not tongue in cheek. I'm serious. You stack the Cowboys. I don't know what ownership is going to settle in on once we get closer to Sunday, but right now stacking the Cowboys would legitimately be getting contrarian to where you could play anyone you want all the time, any of the top guys from Kansas city as a run back and still be different. It's just the way it is right now. So yeah. And any lineup in any contest, even, even in a large field tournament can still have a chunk, like a small chunk of your lineup be chalk. So if we're talking yeah. two, three players, you just, you, how do you mean how do you get contrarian there's a zillion different ways to get contrarian that's the fun of the game yep even inside this game like someone mentioned play gallop i don't think that's a i don't think gallop's a crazy idea at all schultz too schultz yeah schultz is getting no ownership whatsoever it's just a good game it's a good game highest total on the slate you know what to do i think cincinnati las vegas could shoot out as well i really do matt and and i think that joe mixon I'm very interested to see where his ownership settles at. Of course, there are a lot of good running backs, a lot of good receivers. It's going to be tough, but 7,600 Mixon getting around 4% ownership right now. T Higgins is pretty popular. Uh, the, the reason for that too, and Higgins over Chase getting more ownership is because Chase is priced in with a lot of other really good options, but the Raiders run defense is not particularly stout. I could see Mixon eating here. But from Higgins to Mixon to Jamar Chase, even if you wanted to sprinkle in some Tyler Boyd, I like the Cincinnati side of this game and a near 50 total and one point spread. What do you think of the Bengals this week? I'm in full agreement. And, you know, this game is a little bit different than the other shootout potential games in that both of these defenses are bottom five in the NFL in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. They tend, when they have bad games, they tend to have trouble getting out of their own way, which when you also include a high expected fantasy points total from a bunch of these Cincinnati Bengals players, now we've got the recipe for the ceiling game happening more often than we would normally project. I really like Joe Mixon at his RB9 7,600 salary on DraftKings. His leverage score is, is super positive right now. Ownership under 5% for a player like Mixon, the touches he can get, easily could get 25 opportunities that really makes no sense here and then i'm fine playing any of these wide receivers jamar chase t higgins tyler boyd all have projections ahead of salary based expectations cj uzoma he's a he's a you can play him guy if you want in this matchup which has a pretty high total again what i'm really doing this week and again it'll change a little bit from sunday is i'm playing a lot of the chalk players or considering playing a lot of the chalk players in the afternoon, knowing that they are higher salary. And if I need to differentiate because of a bad 1 p.m. slot, I can always do that. And I, I can go to these wide receivers at all different salary ranges here. Tyler Boyd at 4,800, I think you could easily do. He's going to have no ownership. Higgins and Chase, though, look pretty popular. They're both drawing double-digit ownership right now. I like Cincinnati a lot more than I like the Raiders this week. I think Waller's totally fine. Uh, Josh Jacobs was a disappointment last week, but you couldn't really, it was tough to project that game script given that Kansas city was really struggling and that they just they, they couldn't get anything going early on. If you're, you're Vegas and they just gave up on the run. So Jacobs is getting a little bit of ownership right now, but I, I even, even so, even so I, I don't know why you'd want to get to Jacobs when there are so many good running back plays around them. 
you can make it you can make a pivot argument here to get a little bit different but just give me other spots to get different i'm i'm off jacobs i'm fine with waller if you want to talk like renfro or brian edwards or any of these guys do your thing but uh for me it's mostly waller on on this team what about you with the raiders yeah the reason i would be going to raider the raiders is because it's possible that their defense is just much worse than we realize because of the opponents they played prior to the chiefs just absolutely blowing the doors off they gave up 23 points to the giants okay they're the giants offense they gave up 22 points to the eagles they gave up 24 points to denver they gave up 20 points to chicago they essentially did the bare minimum against the minimum the lowest ranked offenses in the nfl so it's possible, you know, they gave up 28 points to the Chargers. They might just be a really bad defense that the minute a competent offense, which right now the Cincinnati offense has been for the most part this year, the minute they come in, they could blow the doors off again. Um, on the Raiders, then it would be a runback option. Waller is the obvious first choice. His salary is okay at 6,100. I can play him there. And Renfro is really the wide receiver that stepped up into that uh number one ish role right now at wide receiver 28 in salary 5800 i will definitely have him just based on pure projection ready to wrap this one up matt let's do it hit that thumbs up for us guys we got uh, almost 300 watch or 250 watching it's a marathon show baby we're actually going to come in we're going to come in a little bit early today so jordan klein gets to Kick back, maybe not have to go quite as long here as I just draw this show out even longer. Now, for real though, uh, shout out to our boy Jordan Klein. Yeah, for yeah. Producing. Let me go back to the Houston Texans backfield for a minute. I want to yeah, really break. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thoughts on uh, Philip Lindsay, please. But yeah, hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. And if you want to join, become part of the team. Awesome. Oh, there's a join button right down there. Get the emojis, the, the badges priority uh questions and and of course the shout outs and all that fun stuff along the way you don't want to it's cool you want to that'd be great we'd love to have you here arizona and seattle it looks like we should be getting kyler murray back and if that's the case this team looks a whole lot better still a limited participant though so it's it's kind of weird but i mean when you look at the line on this game matt it would suggest that they're almost field goal road favorites against seattle that murray is playing I don't know about Hopkins, though. I do know that James Conner played 82% of snaps in the game where they got shit on from start to finish. They were down 28 nothing at halftime, and he still saw 82% of snaps. That, to me, is an all, like, that is an all-signs go for James Conner getting the heavy workload no matter what. And on the only red zone carry that anyone in that game had, anyone on the Cardinals had last week, it went to Connor from 11 yards out, and because he's somehow automatic inside the red zone, particularly close to the 10, he scored. I like Connor a lot again this week. I tell you, especially if Murray is back, it's going to open things up, and Connor probably scores again, gets some pass catching work. Um, I wouldn't like him as much if Dearness Johnson is the starter and things sh get shifted up. I still like AJ Dillon more than him at the comp comparable price points. But I like Connor pretty much pretty fine this week against Seattle. What do you think of the Arizona Cardinals offense? Yep, yep. And I read it the same exact way that the betting line certainly thinks that Kyler is coming back and that he matters to their betting line a lot more than DeAndre Hopkins, who is much more questionable. Not to say that Hopkins isn't a great player, 
just the betting line gets affected by the quarterback position significantly more. We know that. Uh, outside of Murray, who I am going to have some of ter- in tournaments, basically because if he does if he does play, he has passing upside, and I do think they're not going to let him play unless he's able to at least get outside and scramble a little bit. That's such a big part of what he does. So I'm not concerned of him just being completely immobile suddenly. James Conner looks excellent compared to his salary-based expectations at 6,100. Complete bell cow roll here. Eno Benjamin, Eno Benjamin is just a spell back here. Uh, and the Seattle defense, they're definitely not a defense that we're scared of either in the rushing game or the passing game in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. They've been a little bit of a run funnel there. So if you do end up with this double free square option, as you said, with AJ Dillon and Darnus Johnson, then I think Connor becomes sort of this interesting contrarian ish option right now. He has a positive leverage score, even with a 15% projected ownership. That's really exciting. Where are you at, Matt, on the other side of this game with Seattle? And are you worried about Russell Wilson? Hell yeah, I'm worried about Russell Wilson. Yeah. That was really concerning. That was really concerning. Yeah, you're damn right it was. Most of that game, in terms of what do we expect going forward from from a Packers standpoint, is just bury it and move on. We're going to figure that out. But from the Seattle side, it's a different story here. I know it's been a few weeks. Russell Wilson had surgery, but in his last three games played, these are Russell Wilson's passing yards, 149 passing yards, 152 passing yards, 161 passing yards. The most rushing yards he's had in any game this season is 32. That was last week. This is not looking great. And it's not looking like an offense that can support two number one wide receivers, which is what they're designed to do. We have Chris Carson projected in right now, which I guess gives the overall offense a little bit of a boost, but I'm not loving anything here. The only way this works is if it's a game environment play and Russell Wilson somehow just turns into Russell Wilson of week two, where he had 343 passing yards and 11 yards per attempt. That would be great. And most likely in that case, uh, Metcalf or Lockett or both are hitting. But right now, they're not priority spots for me. I will say that the locket, uh, the projection on locket on Osmo.com looks really, really solid compared to a 6K salary. I do like Tyler Lockett. That's the one spot. Getting virtually, he's getting a little bit of ownership, but I think it's deserved. That price tag is down probably lower than you're going to see it uh, again. And well, last year, I remember that primetime game where Lockett had that. This means nothing, by the way, but I just throw it out there. Remember, he had that 20 target, 15 reception, 200 yard, three touchdown game against Arizona. And then disappeared <clears throat> for the like the rest of the season. Yep. That's th- precisely <laughs> why, precisely why I hate drafting him in season long leagues, because he'll do that. And it's awesome. But you don't get rollover fantasy points when he gives you seven the next week. You know? That's a good point. And he had nine yeah. on not, he had nine re- receptions against Arizona in that second game last year. Again, does it mean much? No, but I don't know. Maybe he can keep the momentum going from last year. And well, six K is pretty inexpensive because he just has insane upside. He's so volatile, but I love Lockett for DFS. If he gives me eight, it's no different than giving me 15 in the grand scheme of things. But if he gives me 40, that's pretty big. Anyway, Matt, it's been fun as always, brother. 
Where can everybody find you and your work? Yeah, you can find all my work at awesomeo.com, breaking down all the showdown matchups, and I also have a matchups column. Find me on Twitter at Draftaholic. Hit me up at Lafay underscore D. Stick around. Plenty of content coming up throughout the day here on the channel. After this, you got the MMA Strategy Show with Jason Floyd and Pete Rogers. Jordan, you're not producing that one too, are you? Okay, you're good. You're good. And the Awesome O Betting Show over at the Odds Channel. Check that out, man. Ben and Aton do a fantastic job. NHL Strategy Show. Then you've got baseball, or basketball. You got NFL, everything coming up tonight. We're taking you all the way up to lock from uh, Thursday Night Football. We'll see you back here. Your one-stop shop for daily fantasy sports. Peace. Peace.